It's a different way of saying it. Much more creative way of saying it. Is it? This is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Welcome. Today we're talking about remembering to... Look at the positive. Yeah, do a little focusing on the good stuff. We're always talking about... Fear. And... Doubt. Why why we can't do our practice or how we wish we had more time or why our stuff sucks. (laughs) It bears saying that... Yeah, we need to step back and take a look at not even necessarily huge wins or anything like that, but just all the little things that make, again, the practice enjoyable over the long term as opposed to those big dopamine hits of Mm -hmm. quote-unquote success. Because what is success? I think it's probably different for different people. I would say that in the long run, success is having a creative practice that you enjoy and is fulfilling. And then anything else that comes with it is... Gravy, as you would say. Yes. Or when we play Yahtzee, it's the bonus. I mean, bonus. (laughs) We do say bonus. And so, yeah, we're just always focusing on what we don't have or what we are lacking, which is also what we don't have. (laughs) But it's a... It's a different way of saying it. Much more creative way of saying it. Is it? A creative way? <laughs> no. It's a very imaginative method of speaking that. We're just going to say everything twice in two different ways this episode. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, publication, acceptance into a show. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to touch on that because you got accepted into a show, which we mentioned the last episode. What was the name of the show? Artist Mother Proud and Serious. The thing that I'm interested about is that you get that initial hit of like, oh my God, I got in. That's so Mm -hmm. awesome. And then you're like, oh, well now I've got to send this stuff. You immediately go to the, the, all the- uh, Logistical. Yeah, the logistics, the the inconvenience of actually having then to get stuff to the show. and Which is what's beautiful about online shows. That's true. Because you don't have to. So it was easy then. Exactly. Yeah. So not only was it validating, but it was easy and felt great. And then how long did that uh, validation feeling of awesomeness last? Well, at least a couple of days. Nice. And then what happened? I sold one of them. Because you were in that show and it was online. Yes. And then what happened to you? How did you feel when that happened? It felt really great because this is such a personal body of work. And there were some thoughts along the way, which I've expressed, I think, here on this podcast about. Sure. This is a really personal body of work. Is, any, is it going to resonate with other people? And obviously it did. Yeah, that's really cool. And someone who doesn't have any context necessarily, I don't think the person that bought this has necessarily read any of, well, I only have one artist statement about it that's out there that may or may not be on that site. I'm not really sure. It is going to be in a little in a magazine. That's part of the thing too. Oh, cool. So now I'm going to have a little spread in an art magazine called The Huts. But yeah, I don't think this person has any context for the piece except that it just really appealed to him and he wants to have it in his home. Yeah. Which that's... is always the pinnacle awesomeness of, you know, 
Yeah, what's more validating <laughs> than that? It's interesting, though, when you look at it from an art consumer standpoint, that's the only thing as a consumer that we have to go on. It's like, oh my gosh, I just love it. I love the composition. I love the colors. I love the textures. Whatever it is about it that we would want to take it home and put it on our wall. And as the artist, you're always worrying about, well, like, who's going to... But I think working through this project and working at it from a place of love Mm -hmm. versus like, oh, I'm trying to be technically perfect or I'm trying to be... Not that you're not trying those things, but that wasn't the focus of it. It wasn't like, how do I recreate this thing that is, you know, an old master's painting or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I was deeply in love with the process. And it's really cool because it reinforces what we've been talking about, where if you're working from a place of for yourself, that it will resonate with other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's something to you that now you have in your emotional toolbox that you can look back on as proof of concept, also as uh, remembering what that feeling is like, remembering what it was like, and you're still working through this series, but what it's like to be working on a series and those moments of, oh my gosh, I really am super excited about X, Y, or Z, you know? And yeah. that, I think that helped carry you through some of the doldrums that we all experience from yes. time to time, right? Yeah. And there's always this little moment when I sell something of, oh, maybe I should keep it all to myself. I often start a series and sell them kind of early on and then kind of forget where I'm going with the ser- series. So that's why I've really loved having this one to myself for about seven months now. Mm-hmm. I've got all the pieces in my studio for the most part. And I can refer to them and I can figure out which ones need some development and which ones I thought worked. And then a little bit later, they're not working quite as well. It's really a fascinating, it's really nothing I've ever done before is to keep my whole series to myself for a a long period of time. Usually I'm immediately like, here, look at this. And Yeah. It's almost like a switch from seeking external validation and gratification going from that to a place of internal validation yes, and absolutely. excitement about it. And, you know, keep going back to the big Eisterung concept, but I think it's really important. I think it really plays into how you, it makes it more possible to be able to work that way. If you're not like, oh, I need to show this someone to make sure that I'm doing it right. It's exactly. Like, just, you know, follow your... And your process is so different from mine in that way that you're not constantly showing your steps in your process, what's that like for you? It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for seven <laughs> years and didn't see anything. No, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I've gotten to the point where, again, like we've talked about working through this podcast, working through our own process as a result of doing this podcast, I have come up with these ways to be excited about the work for the sake of the work with an end point in mind. But it's exciting that uh, today's a great example. So I'm, I decided to listen to a podcast I probably haven't listened to in seven or eight years. Uh, it's called Writing Excuses. It's, it's 15 minutes long, each episode. That's the whole point of it. It's like, it's 15 minutes because uh, something you don't have that much time and you should be writing and we are not that smart or something along those lines. It's, it's pretty funny that way, but for me, it's been hit or miss, but today it was fantastic because it was about characters and world building. Fonda Lee, who wrote the Greenbone Saga, she was talking about 
how in order to know what your character would be thinking about and doing that you just think of that. And this was, it was like such a no brainer and I've thought about it, but I've never actually consciously tried to implement it. But yes, they're in this huge world, but what are the parts of the world that they interact with that then helps you narrow your scope of what they'd be thinking about, Uh what they'd be focused on, what they would notice in a landscape or a setting. And I was just like, of course, of course. So yeah, I came home this morning before I got to work, work and just jotted down some ideas about that just to try and cement them in there. But I was like, ah, oh, it's just learning this thing that once you're shown it, it's like, oh yeah, naturally. But here I am, has been going on for this long and now I have another tool that I can use to help me get more focus because I can definitely be guilty of navel gazing of m- myself in the novel <laughs> um, in the last pass through with uh, the critique one of the people mentioned the authorial intrusion mm-hmm. and like I read, I read through the novel twice since then. And, and I was like, I think I kind of understand. But once she said that, that cr- criticism clicked as well. And I was like, oh, so just the process, you know, just getting better learning, always being in the learning mindset makes it exciting too, because then you have either more tools or more techniques, or you just have more information to help. So it doesn't really answer your question about working in total anonymity. But it does answer how to make, like, if you feel like you're getting towards a slog type of mm-hmm. thing, then listen to a new thing, learn a new little skill, and figure out all the ways it applies to how you've been doing your process. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's wild. I, I think I mentioned this last week, but this book I'm also reading is called The Art of Character. And I've always very much been a world building person. And that probably goes back to my gaming days of being a DM and having to create worlds for people to play in. And, uh, and then also a lot of the books that I love there, the world building is really fully realized. But with this piece of information and this other book, The Art of Character, it's also been very much a, uh, I don't, not an awakening, but a broadening of just thinking about all this. And I realize how little I've done of character work other than intuitively, which might be okay, but, you know, being a little more intentional about it and stuff is, is very exciting because then you can achieve effects and you can achieve uh, the overall goal of whatever it is your you know your writing is about. So yeah, you feel like you have a little more control. Like I think that's I think been that's a great one, word. One issue that I definitely have because I have been an intuitive painter. I've considered myself sort of an intuitive painter, and I get these great effects sometimes where I go ah. Oh, I love what I did there, or I love this painting or whatever, but then I don't think I can replicate it. <laughs> which, right, and we, yeah, which Because I just think, about. okay, great, it's a lucky, I got a lucky break, and now, you know. <laughs> well, when you've working through this, this most recent series, the idea has been, well, I'm not going to try and replicate it. Right. I'm going to use that to inform what I'm going to do this next time, this next version. I'm, I'm going to just remember that and try and incorporate it, but however it comes out, it doesn't have to look exactly like the previous one, yeah. which is pretty liberating, I would think. And because I'm only picking like two or three poses that I'm doing, I'm drawing the same mm-hmm. legs in the same pants over and over and over and trying it different ways. And it just, it feels like, oh yeah, I, I can actually get better <laughs> at drawing this <laughs> right. one thing if I do it over and over. Whereas before... I always had this idea like, ah, 
I just get bored doing the same thing over and over, but I'm not bored doing this. Well, and I would say it just occurred to me that repetition is a nice club with which to beat your inner critic with. <laughs> but, you know, exactly. it does. It kind of it kind of drives the inner critic away because it's like, yeah, I know I'm giving myself permission to do these not as exactly as I see them in my mind until I get close to that. Or even better, I think, is you, you have an aha moment, even just a little thing, like whether it's a texture or a different material, it's the best. Because I think those little moments of discovery are also a thing if you don't sit down and do the work and just fret over it and stuff, then you you rarely get that. But if you're constantly actively just either noodling or working towards something, those connections will eventually be made and you'll find yourself in the place that you want to be, whether you knew you wanted to be there or not. Yeah. Another thing that I've been using as of late to keep me excited as well is, so I've got the the whole character piece and then I've also got this world building piece and I, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I have this kind of fully realized world. But when I read through the novel a couple of times, I realized that even though it's in my head, a lot of the stuff is not clear on the page. And so I was like, all right, well, and this was another podcast on world building uh, with Ada Palmer <laughs> was the guest. And she has written this uh, fantastic uh, Terra Ignota series that is kind of mind boggling. It's just very different. I've only read the first one and I'm I'm not even sure I want to read the other ones because it's very, I think of it is very complicated and not necessarily, not necessarily the plot because I think, but I feel like it takes, it took me a while to just even wrap my head around the world that I was reading about. And it was funny listening to her talk about it. She's like, oh yeah, they're flying cars. And they're this, these characters who are in charge of managing the whole flying traffic stuff, but it's not like. Just, it's not like air traffic control, it's just something totally (laughs) science fictional. Anyway, but I listened to that and and she was talking about how she'll, I think I mentioned this before, but she'll work on multiple worlds at any given time so that even if she's writing in a world, in one of her worlds, she's already world building for one or two or three other potential novels because then when she's done with that draft of this one, then she can move right into something else. But what I found is by working on that world building, that sort of helps feed the character stuff mm. because then you have you have more context for them and like, okay, well, how are they going to interact with this particular part of the world? And then vice versa. It's like, okay, I've got this character and they do this. Oh, well, I need this in the world. So it's been this really cool positive feedback loop. And so that, that's been keeping me pretty jazzed about just keeping going, even though I'm not actually writing right now. I'm, I'm laying a lot of groundwork to help inform the next draft to be hopefully that much richer. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting, too, that you say that about the not writing, because I think that's I've been in that similar place of I'm not painting a lot, Mm -hmm. but I'm cutting out a lot of pant legs. I keep mentioning pants (laughs) and legs, but, you know, like so I'm just handling the material and and you're letting your subconscious react. Exactly. And you're conscious, like actively thinking about like, ooh, I want to do this kind of interior and, and yeah. so forth. And I'm not as obsessed with finished product, you know, and at this moment. And it's funny, even though you're not obsessed with finished product, how many finished products do you have? <laughs> you have a fair uh, amount. I have a few. Yeah, which is really <laughs> cool because it's like, okay, that's how you work through. I don't know. Again, it, it goes back to the process aspect of it all, but but maintaining that Focus on the things that keep you going and the things that are exciting and the little victories, the small minor victories, where even if it's just a turn of phrase or a 
particular technique that shows up or a color palette that you like. I think those are the things to really keep your eye on and, and not always focus on the fact that, oh, this color looks like mud because I mixed it wrong. Right. Or the, yeah. the texture is all doesn't work with whatever I'm doing. So that's your homework until next time is to just think about the things that get you excited about it and think about the little things that you've done in the past that have got you kind of jazzed and uh, know that there'll be a lot more of that in the future, especially if you sit down and- Button the chair. Button the chair. So yeah. But if there's a lull, it's okay. That's right. And we talked about in a previous episode about what to do if you do get in a lull or you get stuck. And for us, I think a lot of times it's reading books, it's listening to podcasts and nothing that's particularly mind blowing, potentially dabbling in another art form or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I think all that goes hand in glove with what we're talking about here today. Yeah. And so that's it for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed it and get some takeaways or at least got yourself excited to get your butt in your chair. Yes. Happy creating. Happy creating. We'll see you next time on the Creative Double Shot. See ya.